what the heck is gluten actually and should you be eating it? If you have ever considered going against the grain and trying out a gluten-free diet, today's episode is going to give you tons of clarity, not only about what gluten actually is, but whether or not you should try a gluten-free diet. And if you do decide that you want to try a diet free of gluten, I'm going to give you advice on how to navigate the ever so complicated nutrition label. You'll know exactly what ingredients to watch out for and common foods that gluten is found in that you wouldn't expect. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. Kate Richardson is my name. Nutrition is my game. I am one of the two registered dietitian nutritionists who co-host this podcast. I am normally joined by my business partner and my co-host, Megan Ware. We are both the two registered dietitians at our private practice, Nutrition Awareness, in Orlando, Florida, but I'm flying solo today. I wanted to first introduce myself because normally I have an intro on these podcasts, but I'm scrapping it. It's too long. No reason. So my name's Kate. I'm so glad you're here. And let's get into the show. Very rarely these days do I have a week go by where I don't have a client who is asking me about gluten. Either they're loosely following a gluten-free diet because they heard there might be some kind of benefit for their weight or their digestion, or they have followed it in the past but weren't sure if they were doing it correctly, or they're having some kind of hormonal or IBS concerns and they are wondering if gluten-free diets could be a benefit for them. So my goal for this episode is to help you guys understand whether or not you need to go through all of the hoops and hurdles of a gluten-free diet because the truth is there are a lot of people who benefit from eliminating gluten from their diet, but there are also a lot of people who see no changes, even if they follow a very strict gluten-free diet for months. And it does take a lot of mindfulness, thought, prep to follow a gluten-free diet. So I wanna make sure that whatever changes you are doing to your diet are actually benefiting you and worth the time investment. So on today's episode, we are gonna talk about what gluten is exactly, Who should try a gluten-free diet and who should not based on your specific goals? We're also going to talk about the foods that contain gluten. So you'll know exactly what ingredients to look for on a label. And we're going to go through some of the foods that are sneaky sources of gluten. So if we go through all of this information and you're like, yeah, I want to try an elimination diet. I want to take gluten out of my diet completely for four, five, six weeks, whatever works for you. You will have a good understanding of what you'll need to monitor. But the good news is it's 2020 and the food market is keeping up with consumer demands and consumers are demanding gluten-free alternatives. So we're also going to talk about some of my favorite gluten-free alternatives, including brands and naturally gluten-free products that you don't have to worry about. So if you know anybody that is following a gluten-free diet that maybe is a little bit confused, or maybe you know somebody who you think should follow a gluten-free diet after you listen to this episode, please share it with that person. 
information and knowledge is power because once we are aware of an issue or potential trigger of an issue, then we have the power to make a change to improve our health and our overall lifestyle. So if you find this episode helpful or if there's somebody who you are thinking like, yeah, they really need some information about gluten. Maybe they're following a gluten-free diet and you know for a fact that they don't need to be following a gluten-free diet and you hear this and you just need like, hey, you know, listen to this dietitian. She knows that you don't need to make me keep buying all these overpriced gluten-free pretzels and alternatives, send this episode to them or share it on your social media and tag us at nutrition.awareness. Put it in your stories, put it in your feed. That way we know that you guys are listening and finding some benefit from this episode. Let's start off with some fundamentals. The big question is, what is gluten? So many people follow a gluten-free diet, but if you ask them what exactly is gluten, they'll just say something like, uh, it's like bread, it's like pasta. And I'm not saying this to make fun of them because it's so confusing. I get it when you are listening to anything out there about health and nutrition. It's easy to glaze over the factual information because it's kind of boring, especially when it is sensationalized. So we see certain diets, certain eating patterns sensationalized. People make bold claims about how eating this and not eating that changed their life that we often forget to take a step back and, and look at the facts. So we're looking at the facts today, baby. Gluten is the general name for the proteins found in wheat, barley, rye, and this wheat rye blend called triticol, okay? So it is a protein, that's all it is. Gluten has a role though. Gluten helps food maintain their shape. It kind of acts like a glue that holds the food together. Even some unexpected foods that we'll talk a little bit later about in today's episode. So the best way I can explain this is with everybody's go-to gluten food bread. Gluten is what provides bread that structure and that texture. It's a binder that adds that stretchy quality. So if you think of raw dough or pizza dough, how it stretches, if you didn't have that gluten there, it would just crumble apart. So in a gluten-free product, like a gluten-free bread or pizza crust, other thickening ingredients are added in place of that gluten to help retain the structure. You'll see this on the label as xanthan gum or guar gum quite often. So without these replacements, the food would just crumble. So that's what gluten is. If anyone ever stops you on the side of the street and they're like, what is gluten? You'll be able to whip out this podcast or pull it up on our blog and say, I know exactly what gluten is. It is the protein that provides structure in wheat, rye, and barley foods. People will choose to eliminate gluten from their diet for a multitude of reasons, but let's start with three specific situations in which going gluten-free is very much so recommended and totally warranted. The first and possibly most obvious would be celiac disease. In people with this autoimmune condition, gluten will trigger the immune system to attack the small intestine. This means even trace amounts of gluten from food can cause significant damage, especially compounded over time. With repeated attacks, that small intestine is going to lose its ability to absorb the nutrients we need to survive, such as iron or calcium. Over time, people with untreated celiac disease can develop severe nutritional deficiencies, such as osteoporosis or anemia related to iron deficiency, as well as other autoimmune disorders. 
including extreme fatigue, uh, infertility, they might experience some neurological problems, and in a very small percentage of cases, even lymphoma of the small intestine. Now, I don't say this to scare you, but if you suspect you have celiac disease, it's important to go get tested. If you have been diagnosed with celiac disease, the treatment is to adopt a very strict gluten-free diet. This allows the small intestine to heal so it therefore can absorb nutrients properly and then reduces the risk of associated problems. The second case would be something called dermatitis herpetiformis. I don't think I pronounced that right. Herpetiformis? I'm just going to call it DH for short. DH is a form of celiac disease that triggers the immune system to actually attack the skin rather than the small intestine. It causes chronic, itchy little bump rashes that can, in some cases, cause a lot of pain and discomfort. DH is usually symmetrical, meaning if you have a rash on your left forearm, you're probably going to have a really similar rash on your right forearm. And if you have DH and you continue to eat gluten, you also may run an increased risk of developing intestinal cancer. But there's good news, people. Once you're diagnosed with DH, you are usually pretty motivated to stick to a gluten-free diet because, I mean, there's a cure for your painful rashes. I can think of one client who had eczema and painful rashes that she couldn't identify. And in hindsight, I now realize it was DH because, well, I don't want to diagnose her, but it was likely DH because she adopted a very strict gluten-free diet and she also eliminated sugar. And almost immediately, all of her uh, symptoms on her skin went away. It was almost like jaw-dropping remarkable, the difference I saw when she came back in uh, from just eliminating gluten and most of our added sugars from her diet. So wowie wow, that could be a reason for anybody to go gluten-free. A third reason to go gluten-free would be a suspected sensitivity to gluten. I'm talking to anybody with irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, bloating, discomfort, gassiness, constipation, any kind of unwanted digestive concerns after you consume gluten. And here's my perspective. It's not going to hurt you to eliminate gluten for six weeks and see if you have a sensitivity. So a sensitivity wouldn't be as life or death as celiac, right? But it's causing you discomfort. and doesn't make you feel good. So why not just eliminate it for six weeks, give it a go that gives your body a lot of time to do some of that intestinal healing, reduce the inflammation, and it also gives you time to compare the differences you experience on a gluten diet versus a gluten-free diet. Again, I have seen some people who have IBS-related concerns thrive almost instantaneously from a gluten-free diet, and then other people who notice no difference at all with IBS, and therefore it would be related to something else. But it doesn't hurt to try. I always say give it at least four to six weeks before you make a conclusion. You really got to give it time for your body to react to a new diet. Now, before I tell you about who should not go on a gluten-free diet, I know uh, you're going to ask me about Hashimoto's or thyroid disease. There are some small studies suggesting a benefit to women going on a gluten-free diet when they have an autoimmune thyroid disease, all right? Suggesting small study, that's a key word. If a, gluten, if a person has a, a gluten sensitivity, it could be causing inflammation to their gut lining, 
which would therefore lessen that absorption of a thyroid medication, like levothyroxine, Synthroid, whatever. Reducing the gluten in your diet could possibly reduce this inflammation, but so could other diet changes. I mean, I'm just being honest here. Gluten isn't the only thing that could trigger inflammation in your gut lining, but if gluten is the main or one of the major contributors to gut inflammation, you might be able to absorb that medication better. And then there are also theories about how a gluten-free diet could also lower the inflammatory response and reduce inflammation of the thyroid gland itself. What I tell people who come in with Hashimoto's, hypothyroid, I get a lot of these women who are looking for weight loss and they ask me about gluten. I say, well, gluten may help slightly with the weight loss. I don't believe from my experience and the research, we can conclusively say that going on a gluten-free diet is gonna be what moves the needle towards your weight loss, weight loss goals the most, but it's worth a shot, especially if you are experiencing unwanted digestive concerns to again, go on an elimination diet, take gluten out of your diet for six weeks and see what happens. Again, I've seen some clients who notice success right off the bat, but in full disclosure, these are the clients who have a really high adherence to an overall gut-healthy anti-inflammatory diet, meaning they're eating little to no added sugar, they're eating tons and tons of fiber from whole food sources. I'm talking at least 24 grams a day in women from a variety of sources. So they're creating a diverse, beautiful, healthy, thriving gut microbiome. And they're also eating foods rich in live and active cultures, maybe taking some kind of probiotic supplement as well. So in full disclosure, I can't ever say I've had a client who only changed gluten in her diet and noticed an improvement with her thyroid. It was usually within a multitude of changes. But I'm telling you, if you've tried a lot of things, give it a whirl, see what happens, yank gonna die. I'll leave it there with the thyroid and gluten, but if you have any questions about hypothyroid, Hashimoto's, and diet, just send us a direct message on nutrition.awareness Instagram and we'll get you some direction. But for now, I am going to spread the real talk on real thick for you on your gluten-free toast, okay? These are the reasons why you don't need to go gluten-free or you shouldn't go gluten-free. And the first one, I'm going to say it, is weight loss, all right? It is not gonna make a difference in your weight or a significant difference in your weight if you don't change anything besides gluten. A gluten-free pretzel is no healthier or better for you than a regular pretzel. You need to look at lots of things when it comes to weight loss and working with a dietitian can help you miss and avoid all that trial and error, can kind of bridge the gap, okay? But when you're looking at your diet and you're trying to reach a weight goal, Simply changing one little factor as small as gluten does not make a difference. You need to look at the quantities of food you're eating, the nutrition of the food you're eating, meaning is it high in fiber? Are you lacking protein? Are you getting those essential nutrients? You need to look at your supplementation. You need to look at your lifestyle as a whole, meaning your fitness, your sleep, your stress. All these things are just part of the weight loss equation. And simply taking out gluten and replacing it with gluten-free alternatives ain't gonna make a big difference. Your gluten-free brownie is no healthier than my regular brownie, all right? These are just facts. Now, where it could make a difference is if you are snacking on 
gluten-containing foods all the time and you simply just take those out of your diet because they're not really giving you any kind of nutrition. So you're having pretzels, desserts, snack cookies throughout the day and you just stop eating those and the rest of your diet just doesn't happen to be very high in gluten. Okay, there's the exception to the rule. You might notice a shift in weight there simply because you're eating less empty calories, all right? But don't just switch to a gluten-free diet for weight loss. It's a lot of trouble and it's really not going to move the needle. The same thing goes is if your main goal is just trying to be healthier. Unfortunately, I think there are a lot of food companies out there who will purposely advertise their products as gluten-free because they recognize that consumers assume that makes it better, which is false. But I should back up and say we can't blame the food companies for putting gluten-free on the front of their label if the food actually is gluten-free. And also because that's what consumers are asking for. There is a demand for gluten-free foods for many really valid reasons. So I don't want to cast these companies in a bad light. I think it's just unfortunate that consumers aren't educated about gluten-free and they automatically assume if a food is free of dairy or free of gluten or fat or is lacking GMOs, whatever that it's automatically a health food. I call that the health halo effect. This simply isn't the case. So please don't assume because you're choosing the gluten-free product over the original gluten-containing product that you're doing a favor to yourself. You need to look at the nutrient panel. You need to look at the ingredient list, food label overall. Now let's get a little bit serious here about another reason why somebody should not go gluten-free, and this is because of um, some medical concerns. You shouldn't go gluten-free to self-diagnose celiac disease. The blood test that's used to help diagnose celiac disease will depend on finding an antibody to gluten in your blood. If you have been avoiding gluten as a means to self-diagnose, The antibodies may not show up on a blood test, which could yield a false negative. In fact, last night, I had a client on the phone who had done a food sensitivity test a while ago, and she was very in tune with her body, more so than a lot of people. And she knows that when she eats gluten, even a smaller amount, she is running to the bathroom, if you're picking up what I'm putting down there, okay? On her food sensitivity test, after avoiding gluten for six months and still experiencing some IBS concerns, Her holistic doctor didn't see gluten on there, and he recommended that she eat gluten again or try it. Well, you can guess, this woman knows her body. She didn't do it, and she said that she did accidentally have some trace gluten, or she suspects she did, and she had the same side effects. So just because it's not showing up on a food sensitivity test doesn't mean you don't have a sensitivity to it if you've been avoiding it, because it's not there to uh, produce that antibody in your blood. So why is this important? Well, you need to have that diagnosis for celiac because remember all of those uh, long-term problems that I mentioned a little back ago on people that should go on a gluten-free diet? That's why. So you need to make sure that you get that diagnosis of celiac so your doctor then knows to look for other problems that are associated with a gluten intolerance. So there are some consequences. If you suspect that you have celiac disease, why not go get tested? Do yourself a favor, take care of yourself, take care of your body, and get some solid answers. Now, after hearing all this information, I hope you're in a position to better decide whether or not you should experiment with a gluten-free diet or if not. And if you do, we're going to go over how to look for gluten on a food label. The first thing you need to scan for on an ingredients list is wheat 
barley, and rye. Remember, that's where gluten is found, but it's also found in some less common ingredients other than that wheat, barley, and rye. It can be found in malt or malt vinegars, malt syrups or malt extracts, anything with malt. It can be found in durum, oats or oat bran. Check for whether it's made in a gluten-free facility. Some people are ultra sensitive. So even if that oat comes in contact with something that had gluten in it, people can get triggered. You also need to check brewer's yeast, spelt, which is also known as farro, graham flour, bulgur, and hydrolyzed wheat flour. Now, gluten can also be found in some products that we don't expect. Some of them may seem really obvious to you, but not so obvious to others. So I'm going to run through commonly found products that contain gluten. The first is going to be beer, ale, and lager. When I did a gluten-free experiment, anyone who knows me knows I'm a gal who likes her wheat beer, so that was hard for me. Of course, it's going to be found in breads, English muffins, any kind of bread product with flour, traditional flour. Broth, soup, and soup bases can contain gluten, especially if they're thicker. Cereals and granolas, cookies and crackers, some chocolates, chocolate bars, or even licorice. Flavored coffees and teas. Imitation bacon bits or seafoods. Pastas, processed foods that come in a box. Always double check for gluten-free. Salad dressings, sauces, marinades, gravies. Sausages, hot dogs, even deli meats. Seasonings and soy sauce. I also want to mention that some medications may contain gluten. So make sure you check with your pharmacist if you're experiencing unwanted side effects when you take medications. Now, I know this may sound really daunting, but the good news is there is a gluten-free alternative to nearly all these foods. So again, that's one of the bright sides about all of these food companies coming out with gluten-free options for people who really genuinely need it or want it. And there are also some foods that are just naturally gluten-free. I think when we think of carbs, a lot of people think carbohydrate, gluten. They kind of group that into one category, but that's simply not the case. The gluten-free carbohydrates that come to mind include potatoes, squash, rice and rice products, or rice flour, quinoa, corn and corn products, corn flour, corn tortillas, beans, lentils, chickpeas and hummus, fruits, veggies, quinoa. That's just to name a few of the many naturally gluten-free carbohydrate-based foods. There are also a lot of products that provide gluten-free alternatives. One of my favorite ones to tell people about is the uh, coconut aminos, our coconut aminos. So that is a good gluten-free alternative to soy sauce. Instead of using any kind of flour tortilla, there is a tortilla or bread made of literally every other kind of ingredient. I mean, you can do a cauliflower tortilla or pizza crust. You can do a corn tortilla. There are rice flours, brown rice flours. I mean, there is just so many different flour alternatives and you can find many of those pre-packaged. In fact, some of my favorite brands that offer a lot of good tasty, and I will say healthy, gluten-free products include Bonza. Guys, I tell Bonza to all of my gluten-free people, all of my vegans, all of my plant-based eaters, or anybody looking for more fiber. 
This is pasta made from chickpeas. It's higher in protein, higher in fiber than traditional or even traditional gluten-free pasta. It's awesome. If you can't find it in your store, get on their website, get on Amazon. It's Bonza. If you have a Trader Joe's in the area, Trader Joe's also has red lentil pasta, black bean pasta, and I'm starting to see edamame pasta. I'm starting to see other brands carrying lentil pasta. Check out your health food stores. Those are going to be gluten-free and just overall a better choice than any traditional pasta from my dietitian point of view. I really like the Kodiak cake brand. They have gluten-free, high-protein pancake and waffle mix, and even a little flapjack gluten-free, high-protein cup. Kind products, they've got granolas and bars with nuts and gluten-free puffed grains. So that's going to include brown rice, quinoa, uh, amaranth, millet. So those foods and granolas are really healthier, really healthier. Good Lord, Kate, healthy alternatives. Siete also has grain-free chips. If you've ever seen that brand, it's really pretty packaging. I almost want to get their label like tattooed on my arm because it reminds me of like, <laughs> like Native American tattoos. But any corn chip is going to be gluten-free. If you have a sweet tooth like me, I like this brand called Sweet Lorraine's. I don't know if it's Sweet Lauren or Lorraine, whatever. Whoever she is, she has some damn good cookies. They are gluten-free and they're dairy-free. Last night, I went to a girls' night to watch Bachelorette and my friend picked up these cookies and it was perfect because one of our other friends is dairy-free. So it was just a really delicious cookie and I couldn't even tell the difference. Other brands I see with a wide variety of products that are gluten-free include Simple Mills, Enjoy Life Foods, Made Good, Udi's, and Hip Peas, which are little snacks made from chickpeas. So if you're in Florida, Publix has a whole aisle full of gluten-free snack options, but your local grocery store probably does as well. But then of course, there's always online. Gotta love the modern era. The last thing I'm going to say about looking for gluten-free products is to make sure you're choosing grass-fed meat and pasture-raised chicken and eggs. This is because traditional farming practices tend to feed their livestock grains, gluten-ridden grains. So if you are ultra-sensitive, check your meat. Guys, I hope this provided you with some clarity, some direction, some knowledge, maybe a little bit of entertainment. I know sometimes I skip over my words and you're probably like, Kate, speak English. Hopefully you got something out of this episode. If you're still feeling a little bit confused or maybe you have a good idea, but you're like, oh, okay, like I'm in the car, I've got the ignition on, but I don't really have directions on where I want to go. That's where I invite you to work with a dietitian. Just skip all of the wrong turns, the stalls, the delays, just get a better idea of what you need to change and do in your diet for, to get you from sitting in your car on idle to your ultimate, beautiful, majestic destination. And lucky for you, I know two dietitians who want to help you. And one of them is me. <laughs> and the other one is Megan. She's usually on the podcast with me. We are two dietitians. We can help you. We got you. I think we're pretty fun and cool to work with. We don't judge anybody's eating habits because we're all human, all right? So don't be scared. Uh, we've heard from people that they were so scared to work with a dietitian, but we're not the food police. We're here to help you and help you become the best version of yourself. So if you are interested in working with a dietitian, just head on over to our website, 
orlandodietitian.com or if you just google nutrition awareness you'll find us dietitian is kind of hard to spell but i'll make sure i link that in the show notes below remember to share this with a gluten-free fanatic or maybe somebody who's been dabbling in the gluten-free life with no real reason why spread the word share the knowledge and we will catch you guys on the next episode thanks for listening